there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem. Of a detour. You are never in a million years a world class striker. <laughs> um, it wouldn't make me. It wouldn't make him friends with me. But I'm at, at that point prepared well, no, to say that. that. Honestly, that's what friends do sometimes. Like looking at Enzo, me personally, I can't justify transfers over a hundred million pounds. You might. I don't care who you are. A hundred million pounds is a lot of money. I mean, I said Mudrick to Galatasaray in 2025. This is Fenerbahce 2025. Flop winger Derby. For me, he's probably one of the best defensive mids in the world. I'm saying that right Oof. now. I, I think he's that good. Early. I think Gone he, early. I think he's that good, honestly. I think Mudrick is, is defining because it, it will define uh, the lowest point in the history of transfer activity in football ever. Wow. That's great for the intro, but good stuff. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome back to The Ripple Effect with myself, James Alcott. Lawrence Boothie joins us again, second podcast of the week. He absolutely killed it as we looked at the moments that have led to the game of the season. This podcast has come out after that game. What happened? Let us know. Um, Remedy joins us as well, Arsenal fan, who's had been spared from that previous podcast. Harry did fantastically well, and it, it was cracking. So go check that out. Ripple effects that have led to this, not just Arsenal, Man City. We go to real depth on that, but also we have a quick look at um, the Spurs result from the weekend uh, and so much more. So go check it out. Uh, follow this podcast wherever you do, especially on Spotify. You can watch us right now and give us a five-star rating as well. This podcast is going to be fantastic. Remedy, this is why we brought you in. You are the power and the knowledge behind so many players. Loving what you're doing at the moment, mate. So um, and we're going to go through, well, we're going to put the number 10 there, 10 signings that define the 2022-23 season. But we've got a good few names here. If you have a player that you think is going to define the season when you look back in 10 years time at certain clubs certain players whatever it may be then let me know at James Alcott on Twitter but we're going to run through some names and at the end of this I think we want to put forward let's stay open please let's stay open and whoever puts forward the best argument for their players we will put forward our three most um, iconic defining signings of this Premier League season which is very close to its end right Remedy let's, let's give you the ball let's get going First what first defining signing of the season. Who do you want to put forward? I'm going to put forward Arsenal's number nine, Gabriel Jesus. So I know Lawrence opposite me right now. He had probably a love-hate relationship with Jesus for a few months in the season. He turned into Prime Ronaldo. <laughs> and then the other months of the season, he'll turn into Marouane Shamak. But I think <laughs> I think with Jesus, especially coming into the Arsenal and the Arsenal team and what we needed, I think we really needed that impetus because last season we'd have players like Lacazette or Bamiyang and whilst they were good at one aspect in terms of just goal scoring or linking up play, Jesus has come into the team and he's really provided everything. And in the Arsenal team where we need someone to link play, going behind, for example, I think when we look at Jesus, the there's no... Okay, 
I need to put this in a way. Okay, when we look at the striker, I think there's no need, like direct need for the striker to score as many goals as Haaland, for example, at Man City. But what he can do is facilitate our wingers. So Martinelli and Saka, I think they've contributed to over 40 goals this season, both at the age of 21. And just the ability to bring that out of them too, I think we could really say he has a big impact. Although he has missed four months of the season through injury, we can still respect the impact that he's had for Arsenal so far. I think because he had a great start to the season and it was what Arsenal to a point where, I was going to say screaming for, but I'm not. Well, look, Aubameyang got booted out and they had to bring someone in. He was that guy and he had an amazing pre-season, didn't he? An amazing pre-season mm. and then caught fire. He's actually only got nine goals and five assists this season. Yeah. Uh, question to you, Boovy. Like, just... Put it all to the side for a second. This is you're talking to Gabriel Jesus right now, okay? And he's asking you. He's saying, "How good am I? How would you just tell me honestly?" Said Gabby Jesus. What would you say to him? I'd say honestly. in the most polite way. I'd, I'd, I'd try and say as unemotively as, well. as possible. I'd try, try and say it in his native language. But I'd say you are never in a million years a world class striker. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't make me. It wouldn't make him friends with me. But I'm at, at that point. Prepared well, no, but to he's say asked that. for that honestly. That's he's what friends playing, do. Sometimes. He's not playing for Fulham. He's yeah. playing for Arsenal. We're trying to compete for the Premier League title. Look, there's a big there's a big difference between what I my mates who are Arsenal fans how they view Arsenal Football Club 20 years ago as a club that have a defined right to be in the Champions League, competing for European honours, to be invincible. Those weren't out of the question. They weren't lucky. That was Arsenal being the third biggest club in the country for a lot of people. The biggest club in London. Arguably, for a lot of people. No, it is. Yeah, for a lot of people, arguably, of course. Depends what uh, your angle is. Chelsea have got three European Cups. Um, yeah, we've got the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reason I say that is because I think Gary Jesus gets Arsenal back to a happier place, a place that uh, players are fighting for the shirt. Jesus, Jesus will do that all day long. He'll add a bit of quality, but then there will be that secondary debate w- whether Arsenal are Premier League champions this time next year or not, but there will definitely be a Champions League club whether is he good enough to win Champions League semi-finals for Arsenal? Is that the level that they think they can compete at? Because they're there. They're going to be in the Champions League next season. They're apparently a massive club in London. You know, of course they are historically. Are they happy to be a top four club that are pushing second and third positions? Or do they want to be winning a Premier League, then another one, then another one, then a Champions League, then a domestic treble like Man City? Uh, Jesus isn't the striker for that. Okay, next question. Because I think the dexterity that he has to play along the front line, drift over to the left-hand side, work his socks off. I was going to sort of ask the question, what's his best position? But I think that's probably a little bit reductive. So here's the, the, that question when you're talking about where Arsenal are trying to get to. He's not the same player. But in terms of facilitating Saka and Martinelli in particular, is Gabriel Jesus, although you feel like he's number nine, you know, leading line striker goals... You know, nine goals, five assists. Again, he's missed some time. Is he? Does he have the ability to be the Firmino in a in an Arsenal team where Firmino is not world class? He's not all those things that you'll say. He's not going to win a semi final for you. Though I'm sure someone will tweet me and tell me he probably did. <laughs> but the goals aren't totally there. But again, in terms of allowing Saka and Martinelli, in Saka Martinelli, would they have got to this level without Gabriel Jesus? And when we've seen what Mane and Salah have done over the last three or four years. Can can the same be recreated, obviously, in different form? I think it's a bit different because when we look at... I think Martinelli definitely because he's that goal-scoring type of player. I think at the age of 21, 15 goals, no penalties is a really good return. Amazing. But I think Saka is a bit different. Saka is getting those goals, but I don't think 
that's his role. I don't th- I don't see Saka as like this goal scorer week in, week out. I see him as an unbelievable creator. Uh, and when we look at Saka, I don't see him like Mo Salah, like running behind, scoring goals like that. So maybe... So, oh, sorry, go on. No, no, go, go for it. Go I, I was, was going to say maybe I do agree with the whole concept of trying to find that elite striker that can give us what we need as well because I don't, I don't blind myself to the fact that Jesus is not the most elite finisher. But I also think that he can bring sides of sides out of Martinelli and Saka that not many other strikers can in the world. Because I guess that then, I think you've answered it for me maybe a little bit here, is the fact that if you're saying Saka's not all about goals, so they've scored 77 goals this year, Man City have scored 78. Now I think you know someone like Trossard, who we could talk about as one of the defining signings. The bottom line is for the next three, four years, if you want to do what I've just said and compete with Man City, that front line needs to provide 80, 90 goals a season. Can you, if Saka's not going to become Salah, someone's got to, and and yeah. does that mean you're missing, you're want, you're left wanting? Garrett I think Jones? I think it's slightly different because with Liverpool, it was just those three goal scorers. I think with Arsenal, the goals are a lot more spread across the team. You remember that Man City team when you guys won the league with Gundogan being your top scorer, mm. scored 13 league goals mm. that season, but there was no one primary goal scorer there were goals all over the team and I think that's where Arsenal are trying to go towards like Xhaka scored like I think he has 10 goal contributions Odegaard is on almost 20 goal contributions this season so I think it's less so about trying to find the one two three type of players that will take us to the league but more so the entire team which yeah. is what has got us so far this season. So it's hard though because I think there's a moment against Southampton where Jesus skies it over from a, from, from a very close range the issue is when we won back-to-back Premier League titles without a striker, we were competing against, you know, the Liverpool side was obviously fantastic, but it never felt like, you know, you're competing against us with a striker that's a one in three at best. You know, he has to score against Southampton. He has to score that chance. Um, I think it's all well and good. We, we, we like this kind of holistic view of football. Where everyone's setting each other up. It's all happy-go-lucky. And yeah, yeah. Every, Martin Eddie gets a few here and there. Ultimately... But that was when, kind of Man City last year, actually. <laughs> it, it was, it was. But then I think the best City side I've ever seen is, you know, Guardiola still had to to, to, to rest on the fact that Aguero was still on the side and he scored over 20 goals uh, every season around that kind of uh, period. So it, it's all levels, isn't it? If, if Jesus gets Arsenal back to the top four and they come second and maybe they win an FA Cup next season and they're third next season or they come second again, it's that kind of top four range, then he's there, he's there, he's perfect. Mm. Is he? Do I worry about him scoring against City in big games or scoring against Man United in a cup final? I wouldn't worry about that. Okay, that's just my okay. gut, you know. No, okay, and I think you know what, as look that Arsenal have gone to another level, and he's been a part of that. So I think that's totally fair. With the injury that he's had, we probably don't know the truth yet. We need to see what how he gets on last uh, next year. But he had started to lose a little bit in terms of scoring those goals. Let's stick with Arsenal because. Oh it's very difficult, and I know you struggled as well. And this is a different angle on it. So you've got Zinchenko. The two Man City boys came through. So let's let's kind of run through those. Because Zinchenko, here, here's a ripple effect for you. The Zinchenko. So I started the ripple effect as a transfer series because it looked like Zinchenko was going to Arsenal, and everyone's talking about that. And I was going, well, hang on, what happens to Man City? Man City, well, they're going to go get Kukurea. And everyone's very flippant about that. I was like, well, what about Brighton then? And then we created the ripple effect. And here we are, boys. Genius. Here we are. Here we are. Thank you. Uh, There are no original ideas. But so in terms of him signing, I think, first of all, it's interesting to to think that Kieran Tierney wouldn't be 
a starter for Arsenal, to say that a year ago, I think would have been a huge surprise. Has it surprised you that Tierney just can't get near this team or you thought as soon as Zinchenko came in, oh, okay, it's got to move forward, it's got to change? Yeah, I remember earlier on in the season, I might have tweeted this uh, crazy tweet. I think I tweeted that, like, watch. I kind of regret it, maybe not so much. I think I tweeted, like, watching Zinchenko is like having a taste of caviar. And then, <laughs> have you ever tasted caviar? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but like having that taste, and then going back to Tierney trying to replicate that role that Zinchenko did, it's not the same. Mm. And the r- reason why I think Arsenal fans, I, I love Kieran Tierney, but it's come from a point of unreliability. So I think last season, apparently the story was allegedly, gotta protect you here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think allegedly. He like got an injury in the shower and he didn't disclose it to the team. Right. And then he got injured playing on international duty and that crippled the whole team. So if you're trying to push and win title after title, you can't have unreliable players. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough to have in your team. So Zinchenko coming in, although he has his injury problems, it's not like he's going to miss three months in one go. Tini's a great option to have for us, but Zinchenko coming in has really elevated us to a to a level that I didn't imagine at the start of the season. Yeah, because it all it all feels like oh, okay, this is how we watch football. We have these inverted fullbacks who sit there, and, and it was obviously Cancelo was the first. Like, well, feels like the first. Philip Lahm was probably the first, but mm. Cancelo was the first in the Premier League in a big way, and everyone's kind of like jumped on board with it. What I liked about Zinchenko, so a few things. First of all. I've, when they bought him, I thought, ah, okay, what they're really getting here is they'll have a certain amount of depth, but it will be sort of hybrid depth. And Zinchenko, I like the idea that he could play left back, but could, well, ended up walking into play deep line playmaker, but could play in Xhaka's role if you need him as well. What I also think is interesting, if, you know, sticking to the, the concept of the podcast. So him leaving Man City was supposed to be the move that allowed Man City to buy Kukurea, mm. which obviously didn't happen. Thank God for that. I know. <laughs> but that was like, if you had him. How different would that be? Because it led to Nathan Ake, who mm. we've all I I've now sort of apologised because I was never sure about Nathan Ake. I agree. He's now one of the best left-sided defenders in the league. He's been so consistent, one-on-one, superb, superb in the Champions League as well recently, yep. and also probably played a part in Cancelo leaving. But more than anything, actually, poor Kukurea, he was everyone. Everyone rated him. Everyone rated him because yep. he was in a club where the, maybe the expectations were lower. Harry made a great point about Newcastle and the expectations of those players. And if they don't do well, you don't talk about them, but you don't, you know, um, go after them. And then when they play well, then you can just give them, you know, be really kind about them. That was the sort of scenario that Kukurea was in. He then goes to Chelsea and it's very different. But if he's at Man City, I wonder, he's just, he would have a lot more confidence. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, he, would, he would he would be seen in such a different light. That, that move to Chelsea has been an absolute disaster for him, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this whole podcast could just be about Chelsea transfers and no one else, and, and it could be... Um, we'll, we'll get there. ...talking about the most uh, embarrassing transfer strategy in the history of, of modern football. I mean, is that bad? It's aging Kirk, badly. Kirk, sure. Kirk Carella could have come to City and, and done well. He's got the... He has got technical ability. There's no question about it. Defensively, he's he's frail. But but Chelsea, you know, Sterling's level's poor. Kai Havertz, Mason Mount's not even starting big games. Um, you could say, you know, even Kante, you know has injury problems, Thiago Silva, there's a lot of major, major concerns at Chelsea. So I don't blame Cocorella within, you know, it's not his fault he's the most expensive fullback in the history of football. That's not his fault. This is a massive problem for so many signings now because it will, so Anthony, Harry Maguire, Darwin Nunez, Kepa, Kepa, it's going to, it follows you and follows you. Do you know why? Because of lazy punditry. Because what happens 
is that when you're when you have these guys that don't read up, they then go. I've seen it so many times, and I've spoke. People know that I've spoken about this before. I remember doing something with Rory, and I asked someone a question, and they, they made a blank statement like, "This is the fact." And I went, "Why?" And they suddenly. What, what was it? What do you mean? Just the the price tag? You mean? It was about someone saying um, Bruno Fernandez was a good player. And I went, I got told, I was on a live stream, I got told, um, uh, can you just keep this going for a bit longer? And I went, oh, why is he, the person said that oh, I'd seen him, I'd seen him play, he's great. And I said, oh, why? And he went, because <laughs> he thought it was just like a quick comment and we move on. And, and what we all do, what we all do, so this isn't about that person, is that we then go, what do I know about this player that I can say, because there's a camera in my face. And a lot of these players... It's the amount of money that's paid for them. And so Maguire, Kepa, all those players, that's a big, big part of it. And that's something that Kukurea, I think we could chuck in there as well, certainly as an option in terms of defining how bad Chelsea have been, but we've got other names as well. But back to Zinchenko, it's amazing that all that happening kind of led to Man City. Well, just, I mean, the truth probably is that Pep Guardiola just seems to find a way to figure it out. But the players that he's let go, one of your names, Boovy, is is another player that Man City let go. You you know, you're not worth, although you've strengthened one rival mm. you've not you know you've not hurt yourselves have you no I think Raheem Sterling going to Chelsea is that he's he's a legend for City he's one of the most important players to come out of England for the last 10 years in terms of the amount of goals he scored in the Premier League his influence on the England national side is absolutely huge he's, he's been a Champions League level player for City for five six years and he's, we signed him at a young age he's a fantastic signing for the club and he, he's a borderline legend outright um, when he went to Chelsea, I would have I would have sold my kidneys to get fifty million quid for him. It's unbelievable. You make a break even on him. Um, he's a lot older. He's still in his prime. He's still yeah. a young kid, of course. But um, he goes to Chelsea. I knew I knew for a fact he wouldn't have the same impact because he, he he felt like a system player under Guardiola. He knew the runs to make. He was getting told exactly what to do. A lot of nice tap ins, wasn't there? Lot, for him. With all due respect, and a lot of great finishes on top of that. He sure. actually built his game, especially in the Centurion season. He scored. He's over 20 league uh, twenty league goals or at least 25 in all competitions. Um, I'm so glad we got some money back for him, which is break-even. We got six, six years out of him. He's, again, four Premier Leagues in five years. At he least helped us in the final day of the season generally. against Aston Villa. Yeah. He, he's a fantastic player, but I knew that Chelsea would struggle with him because it's just, it's just a different situation there. The big thing I say about Raheem Sterling, I look at it from a slightly different angle because I, I remember doing a video when they signed him and we looked at where he could play and he could play he could play on the left he could play as a central striker he could play in the 10 he could play on the right hand side and the thing that you had there was actually a guy 27 28 yes you got your money back but that was cheap 50 mil for an attack for an attacker that's won leagues has experience can deal with the pressure what this says to me this signing i think it is defining to a point it shows that even even a smart bit of business from chelsea because of the chaos all around it and their inability to stick with someone and the, I think probably the noise around it as well and their inability to to shut that out, which is another thing Harry said about Arsenal with Arteta when they could have got rid of him. Sterling should, as much as he probably wouldn't work as well, mm. he should work in a good team, a good system. And it was, it's not worked at all because he's been playing all over the place or not starting. I think... I think the problem is with Chelsea, over the past few years, you're never going to see an attacker that thrives in that system. You talk about Lukaku. When he came in, Chelsea fans were saying, this is the player that we've been crying out for. Unfortunately, it didn't really happen that Mm -hmm. way. You talk about Kai Havertz, 
Pulisic, Ziyech, all of these names that I'm saying, you can't, you might remember a game or two here and there, but you don't remember a sustained period of form over the entire season. And I'm unfortunately, Raheem Sterling has just fit into that mould of unfitting Chelsea players. But I think this also speaks about Pep as well and why he's always able to just get rid of the player just at the right moment. Like, just at the right moment in the fact that he can secure a lot of money for them, but he knows that they're not really the same player in the team anymore. He's done it with, like, I don't think, if you guys had Jesus right now, for example, I don't think he'd be playing as much. I don't think he'd be scoring as much. He wouldn't be getting as many opportunities. Now that Haaland's here, speak about Zinchenko as well. While Zinchenko could be playing, you may you maybe found a better option in Nathan Ake and again mm. for Raheem Sterling. Do you guys really miss Raheem Sterling that much right now? No, or Zinchenko or Jesus. That's why we let you have him for, for cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zinchenko felt wrong at the time, but obviously the, you're playing a different way now. I think the point here is it's the macro management. So with, and I think, I've certainly read this, Guardiola makes it very clear to the entire squad, it's going to take all of you and we're going to play 60 games. We will play 60, around 60 games every single season. And so you don't, I don't want all of you playing. So Foden, you can go off for couple of months or Sterling when Sterling was there he would have patchy moments where he was playing loads of games in great form then come out mm. then go back in with Chelsea they've had the same sort of depth but the best teams the best teams know have the depth to kind of get around difficult periods busy periods but you also know who the starting 11 is you know who the starting 11 is mm. even even this Arsenal side you and and the great run that they've had or even Newcastle, you, this year, and how well they've done. Look, injuries play a huge part in it. But you know what that back four is. You know what that, that team is. With Chelsea, you haven't got a clue. Because even when we talk about Ziyech back then, they've just like, who's your, who's your starter? Who's your starter? Like, you haven't got a clue with the bulk of that team. And that is, that is the thing that, again, when you go, say, to the manager, but it comes from the ownership, is if you don't give them that space, that breathing space to go, okay, what do you need? Where are you? Where do you want to go? Okay, oh, well, I can see what you're trying to do here. Then, and understanding what your starting eleven will be, then just chucking money at it, which is exactly what they've mm. done here. Yeah. You know, people will hammer Man City all the time. Fact is, you, you've everyone you buy, you either move them on smartly or they play a huge part, or they'll play 25 games mm. and be okay with that, right? And then you move them on at the end of the season when it works for you. That's the thing with this. And, and uh, so you had Enzo Fernandez as mm. one of your options here. He's probably the one guy that you do know is going to start for, for Chelsea this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the reason why I wanted to speak more so about him is just like the fee, firstly. Uh, like, I can't justify it on a player over 100 where, million. So where points. are you on on that? Where are where are you at with that one? Because I got I got hammered for that saying it was too much. No, but he's good, I, isn't he? I, I, he's a, is he? I think he's a good player. I think I think people thought of him as this physical beast that goes from box to box. I don't think he's that type play, that type of player. I don't think he has the legs as like a Kante, but no one has Kante's legs. But I think. Like looking at Enzo, me personally, I can't justify transfers over a hundred million pounds. You might, I don't care who you are, a hundred million pounds is a lot of money. Not for a, not for a, def a defensive midfielder. No. It's un look, he's really good, and I, this is the thing I kept saying is that if he stays for fifteen years, being talking about John Stones, fifty million at the time looks way too much at that time. But he's there seven years, and you know he plays so many games and he's brilliant for you. Then you go, okay. So if that does happen, he does stay for that amount of time. And again, in the current climate, maybe. But even so. 
I don't know. I think you can be smarter. And I think like when it comes to like sort of rebuilding a team, I think the Newcastle model is like one of the best routes to go down. You focus on physicality, you focus on getting the legs. And then when you get to the required quality, then you add those pieces that elevate your team to the next level. So Newcastle, they're at a point now where their midfield is mainly legs. So they can add like a James Madison, for example, and that'll take them to the next level. Chelsea, they did it the opposite way. They have like, they bought the quality straight away, but that sort of physicality that running through the spine of the team, they don't have that in a way that Newcastle do. That's why Newcastle are in a much better position than Chelsea right now. So I think Enzo, he's a great, great player. Don't get me wrong, but I think maybe he was signed a year or two too early in their project timeline. If he came in where Chelsea were third, second place, and they need that player to just get him over the line, Enzo, perfect. Mm. I've got two names in front of me here, and I think it's interesting cause, because... Enzo Fernandez for me, I actually really like him. I love watching him. I think you're right. He hasn't got that. He hasn't got a burst, but he can run a game. It, but he's say the Real Madrid game. Basically, all they did away from home is they went give it to Enzo Fernandez. He'll spread it wide, and then we'll see what we're going to do from there because they don't have that striker, which is hilarious when they've got eleven forwards. <laughs> but he's a good player, and when we talk about defining players and defining signings, in ten years' time. Of these two names, Enzo Fernandez and another pick of yours, Bouvi, Bouvi um, Michaela Mudrik, which one will be the name that is the sort of the centerpiece, the sort of iconic name that is associated with the transfer business of this of Toboli um, in his first year at the club? Well, I, th- I think I think I've, well. Just going and talk about Enzo very quickly. I think he will be a flop. I think 100 million quid. I think he's bang average. I think it's hard. Cons- what do you consider a flop then? Uh, I, I consider a flop. Javi, Javi um, Garcia came to Man City. Good holding midfielder. Fernando. Good, good holding midfielder. Nah, come on. No, I'm not saying that he's at that level, but these midfielders look fantastic in other leagues. This guy's got very limited European experience for Benfica. Very, very limited. He's nowhere near... Good enough for Chelsea. Uh, Mark my words, he'll be a oh, massive just... flop. But but that's just my opinion. I think okay. he'll be a major, major flop. Well, it depends what Chelsea's level is. He'll be fantastic against Rotherham United next season <laughs> in the Championship. The big one for me is, is Mudrick. For me, just... for, for me, Mudrick, um, the money for him, nearly £100 million. The way he, they blew Arsenal out of the water, it felt greedy. It felt um, obnoxious, the way that they did it. And then I think you actually look at the footballer, take the take the money out of it, which I think is a fair point about the lazy commentary sometimes. But I, the money itself was was disgusting for him, for his talent. Uh, Eleven international caps for Ukraine, a handful in the Champions League, and then you're playing in the Ukrainian league. With all due respect, this will go down as the worst transfer in the history of the sport that we've all watched and loved ever. This guy wow. is nowhere near good enough. He's got no physicality. I don't think I'll, I'll never see him score ten goals in a Premier League season. I don't think he's good enough to stay in the Premier League for more than a couple of years. I think he'll be he's a Galatasaray twenty twenty five signing waiting to happen. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to berate a player. But yeah. this is this is the world. He he's he gets the fancy money. You know, he gets the big money and, and, and that's the reality of being a footballer. He's he's in a luxurious position. I just don't think he's good enough to be a, a Chelsea player. I'd say the price tag is sixty two million up front and then twenty six point five in add ons. I mean might save some on these add ons. I think look, that amount of money being put on his head is unfair. But you, coming back to why they went and bought him, there's sort of you can be really top line and lazy and go, well, these other guys have done all the work and they seem to want him, so he must be good. So okay, by association, fair enough. But it it just stank from the start for Chelsea to pinch him when he clearly wanted to go to Arsenal, and then he's come in, 
and people are getting so excited about 20 minutes as a cameo against Liverpool. And he's he's quick, but he's not got a single goal yet. He's got two assists, to be fair to him. But more importantly, and a, a look, I think Kukurea is not that bad. Not this bad. But there's more data on Kukurea. Mudrik is, can't be this bad. But he is crumbling under the expectation. That, and he can't even get in the side. Um, I agree with you. In terms of, I think... If look, if you're a Chelsea fan, you want it to be about Enzo Fernandez. And but the problem I would say, even if you go, you try and put the positive spin on Enzo Fernandez, who I think actually is is wonderful. I really enjoy playing, but I like players like that. To be fair, it's just one guy, and you've spent six hundred million. I can't even remember many of these other names just yet. Mudrik, he just looks like he's playing on ice. I think the problem is, I think Mudrik needed Arsenal more than Arsenal needed Mudrik. I think Mudrik. Like he would have been on the bench at Arsenal, and people would have gone okay because you've got <laughs> yeah. but because you've got because yeah. you've got exactly. Martinelli because you know what your starting <laughs> lineup look, look, is. Look That's what I'm talking he's about. A, he's a Premier League level quality player. He's fantastic. Arsenal fans would agree he's coming in influence things. He only mm. scored one goal isn't he, in the league yeah, yeah, with yeah. seven assists or whatever. So he's he's ten times the player that Mudrik is right now. Yeah, data had scored starting. that season. Twenty eight years old as well. He's barely starting for yeah. Arsenal, and he, and Arsenal fans don't want him anywhere near the starting level now that uh, Jesus yeah. is back. Uh, maybe <laughs> some. Not so true. Sorry, people want that front three of what? Jesus, yeah. Martinelli and Saka okay. nine like times Sorry, what's your point? The point is that if Mudrik had gone to Arsenal, this guy ain't getting a minute. No. I think it's different because like Arteta is in general, his track record with wingers is amazing. You talk about, there's like this whole thing at Man City where... Sar- Arteta? Well, yeah. If Pepe? You, uh, no, it's a good point. No, Sterling's, no. Sterling's level was the notable one that dropped off when Arteta left. Okay. Yeah, okay. for real. Sterling, Sane, uh, and then he comes to Arsenal, you have Saka, Martinelli, and he's taken them to a completely different level. Okay. I think... The way it's just small things in general. Like I remember watching an F two video with just Arteta teaching Jeremy Lynch how to score a goal and just how to position his body. It's just simple things. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Lynch is has got some serious techers. <laughs> exactly, yeah, but the Arsenal just, <laughs> just simple things like that. And like, and I think Mudrik would have absolutely needed that. And at the time when Gray Potter he was the Chelsea coach, and I'm I'm thinking Mudrik. Come on, like obviously it wasn't his choice to go to. Or obviously, it is he signed the contract? But sure. I think he was pushed to go to Chelsea, and I think he yeah. needed to come to Arsenal to actually like uh, realize what his level is. Well, that's it. I think the truth is we don't know if he's if he's any good or I not. I do. I know he's You're certain. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure. Can you uh, not see it in how he takes his first touch, his physicality, how he approaches the game? Yeah, yes, but Poor. but he's also so. <laughs> but Arsenal did want him, mm. right? And and. Arsenal have got it right over the last, you know, 18 months or whatever. So I think the thing that's... He's gone to Chelsea and it's so ruthless there. And you just get plonked in and you go figure it out. Whereas at Arsenal, he wouldn't have got a minute really. Or he would have got 10 minutes when it worked. But the most important thing is that the expectation would have been tiny on him. And look, would, would Arsenal have been in the situation they are now? I don't think so because I think they needed Trossard. I was going to put forward Trossard as, as an option as well because I, I do think there are signings, and it's a bit more of an old school way of thinking, but those signings in January, certainly, you know, I just think about QPR when we won the league, but basically we bought players in January and it, it gives that? you that little push. The championship. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. It's a title, still a title. And You, you can even talk about Emmerich Laporte when he joined Man City. He joined yeah. in January, yeah. 57 million. You guys were having really bad injury problems. I remember that documentary, like I was watching it and yeah. just the process of signing Laporte, it was like towards the end of the transfer window as well. Yeah. And I think Laporte 
elevated city as well. So, but it's, totally that, but it's, that, that, yeah. it's that it's that little boost, that little bit of you know seasoning to freshen it all up. That's what Trossard provided, and it was just smart business. And Mudrik, if he'd come in, might have needed that bit more development. Or a lot. How you much know, development does he need? He, he, we'll, we'll, he, we'll see. He needs but... a lot of development. I agree. But it's I, a bit like... I do. I need a lot of development. <laughs> <to be a> professional <laughs> hey, you're a good player, baby. <laughs> Thanks but, very much. But, but say Timo Werner. But it's it's not just Mudrik. Like Timo Werner was seen as this great player that Liverpool wanted. But he goes to Chelsea and he crumbles. We've seen it time he and again with that it. club. He was a Champions League winner. But he was a proper player from Leipzig and all that. You know, played in a proper league with all due respect to the Ukrainian league. Yeah, no, I I agree with all of that. My point is that he goes to Chelsea and he's terrible. So Mudrik has gone to Chelsea and he's terrible. (laughs) Mudrik's terrible and the results are terrible. Werner was... He looked awful, but he still had a one in three kind of ratio. He was, he was effective at certain on. aspects. Yeah, of the that's game. what I was going to say. With Timo, not even effective. With Timo Werner, he actually provided something that you can like stretch his defenses. Cool, his first touch might not be the best, or his finishing might not be the best. But, My point is, is that yeah. there is, you, you, we've all had it. You know, when yeah. you, when you're like, you know, you're playing your fire side, you're killing it. You, you're here. That's not the truth. You're here. And when you're having a stinker. That's not you. You're here. <laughs> and, and, and Mudrik, this is not very good for a podcast. You need to watch the Spotify. <laughs> Basically, my hands are going up and down. Yeah. But Mudrik is, we don't know, we don't truly know how good he can be, but he needs to, he needed to acclimatize. He got chucked up into this high level altitude of, of ruthlessness and he's out of breath. Whereas at Arsenal, he would have been able to go, they would have walked him up the stairs. I think people Great are analogy. sleeping on how bad it is. It's one of the worst signs in the history of the sport. More signings after this. <laughs> Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm just going to chuck a quick one in because I do think it needs talking about because I'm amazed how bad it's gone and also has had a little bit of a, a ripple effect. Koulibaly. <laughs> Chelsea, last one. Last one, <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, it led to Napoli signing uh, Kim Ming Jae, who's become one of the best uh, in the world in his position for them. And they're absolutely dominant in Serie A. Um, will obviously win that. I mean, should be in the Champions League semi-final, but anyway, less on that. But for Koulibaly to have generally the career he's had where he's been a, a top European centre-back but never get that title and then to move on to Chelsea and to be as bad as he's been did you see that coming? Not at all honestly uh, I think anyone who says mm. anyone who says is, oh, you know, I knew he was rubbish lie, that's a lie I knew he was rubbish <laughs> <laughs> I love you, I love you. <laughs> no, all jokes aside obviously I rated him massively Man City wanted to sign him in 2017 you know that kind of even the Laporte kind of transfer we needed that kind of replacement for company slash partnership with company um the issue is i did see it in the sense that the italian league is very slow you you, you defend a lot of things you know it, it's played in front of you a lot of the, a lot of the time in, in, in the italian league with the premier league you've got 
fullbacks bombing on all sorts the, the atmosphere is at stadiums absolutely crazy um, I think the Premier League is a massively hard league to defend uh, against if you're a centre back and I think Koulibaly plus he's what 31 you know, he's getting on a yeah, bit and, it was, and again too much money really f- f- at that moment but you thought it was like okay go get that we don't have to think about that for the next four years and a lot of people Serie A fans get annoyed at, the, at that idea of it being slow but this is great evidence for it because he's you know, in terms of getting about the pitch, you know, swap him and Rudiger. He's he's been awful, yeah. absolutely awful. So I just, yeah. Whilst we're bashing Chelsea, <laughs> chat that one in. Uh, right, let's get so into some of these big QPR names. QPR fan here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, any any chance? A <laughs> couple of random ones, and uh, we'll finish off with the uh, the big boys. We've got to talk about Darwin Nunes and, and Erling Haaland as well. Andre Ayew, yeah. All got chuck one in there. So the reason I'm putting him forward is. He was the 30th, I'll just say that again, 30th signing for Nottingham Forest this year. And again, kind of coming back to what I was talking about, is sometimes you kind of go, uh, oh, what do I know about Nottingham Forest? <laughs> Nottingham Forest, that is, that is true that people will go to that, but you also have to go to that. 30 signings. That is just, for, for Forest, who look like they're probably going to go down. And actually the one player that could probably save them is Brennan Johnson, who's looking pretty jaded now, who's the one player that they had already. Uh, he's had one start, Andre AU, which, I mean, this is pointless, basically me even saying this, 27 minutes per game from his nine appearances so far. That Forest strategy, look, if they got away with it, then fine. But the fact that they're not going to, in terms of ripple effects... That could, and two of my picks here are for, it's more about the club than the, than the signing, really. For, for them to make that many signings and go back down, it puts a lot of pressure on their, their season next year, doesn't it? Absolutely. And uh, like, just that whole, like, uh, that whole thing about Lingard, like he was supposed to go to West Ham or something like that. And then he accepted a huge wage at Nottingham Forest. And then, although like, it's not specifically his fault, but you, it kind of gives you the perception of, okay, this is what Nottingham Forest are about. They're trying to get all of these players in. And Steve Cooper, I think he's uh, like, he has this reputation about him, but all these players coming in that the owner's signing, it doesn't help him at all. You have to coach all of these players and try to fit them all into, into your team. And they have different play styles and they've come from different cultures, different mm. leagues and all that kind of stuff. So if you're trying to help your manager out, you're not helping them by signing 30 players. Like There will mm. never ever be a time where you sign all these players, going back to Chelsea as well, and you do amazingly. Mm. It's hard. Definitely. You, yeah. When you go up, you've got to. You do have to make changes. Thirty too many. Like it's it's, yeah. it's it's so odd. Come back to a bit of a theme for the pod, I guess. What's your starting eleven? What do you want your starting eleven to be? Do you remember Emmanuel Dennis? Yeah, he's there. Lolly from Atletico Madrid. They got yeah. two new centre backs. He was, yeah. and actually, do you know what? They've bought a lot of again. Kayla Navas is actually, you know, he's coming doing well. But your goalkeeper, you make saves. That's it. Like the continuity there is just absolutely all over the place. Do you think that this could lead to... Do you think anyone will do this again? No, and that's what I was going to talk about if, if it came to me in terms of Nottingham Forest. I think Nottingham Forest as an institution, I want City to be going to Nottingham Forest away in the in the first division of English football. It has to happen. They're two-time European winners. Um, they're legendary for that reason. The, the way their owners have managed this situation, they've got... Uh, part ownership in, in uh, Greek clubs as well and do very similar things with big outlandish signings that don't work out. I think they're involved in the Marcelo and the Hamas Rodriguez signings in Olympiacos, for example. These kind of manoeuvres in for a championship club 
it could ruin Nottingham Forest if they get relegated. So I actually want them to get relegated. And I want other clubs to look at how bad it can be. Fulham were lucky. To, they did it a couple of years ago when they had Ranieri come in last minute and they, they had about 14, 15 signings that season. Fulham are lucky to have a kind of base where they can, get, they, they can be a yo-yo club again. Forest were in League One 10 years ago. Um, this is a side that haven't been in top division football for a good two decades. I want them to get relegated. I want other owners to have more of a conservative approach to, to club finances and to not have 30 players coming in and out in and out the club it's, mm. it's, it's ridiculous because but 15's fine like I was so initially they had a lot and, and this is what Forest fans will say is that they had a lot of players that were on loan who did fantastic for them and that got them up and and they were key players in key areas and again that's fine so and then you've got the players beneath them who aren't good enough and that's why he brought in the loan players so you do need a bit of a new squad but at 15, that's, once it got to 15, 16, then I was like, okay, you're going too, you're going too far mm. with this now. And you're obviously going to have loads of players that are just fuming. So it's not on Andre Ayew, but it's just, it's so dangerous. And look, there's a lot of talk about the parachute payments and how that's going to work moving forward. But you do often see the teams coming down, they do bounce up a lot. But what you also see is, you know, who are the two teams that we played the last two games, Norwich and Burnley. Now Norwich have bounced up and down a lot. And Burnley bounced up this time, but there's there's a lot of teams that don't do that. Middlesbrough, West Brom, Hull City, in League One. Yes, and so the first se- you've got one season, then you've got that second season to really okay. You need to really fix this now. Who are the three teams? Watford. That's it. Watford. Mm-hmm. You know that's another podcast. But <laughs> Watford have bounced up and down, and now they're going to get in a in an awkward place if they don't do it. So you, yeah, you're right. You've got to be careful with with what you're doing there. Um, speaking of which. Here's one from me. I had to go in and um, shout out to Kai, our producer here. He's a big Everton fan. We talk about this man a lot. Neil Malpai. Again, kind of coming back to the club here. Not the fantastic podcast that's made on Spotify. Now, Lawrence. The club Everton. If this... If Everton go down, because I think that's something that we... That's the storyline that we could obviously see that we haven't seen yet. You know, Everton are an institution in this top division. So if, if they are to go down, the signing of Malpai and how ridiculous it was to bring him in when, first of all, you needed a striker anyway before you sold Richarlison. You bring in Malpai, who is not Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Now, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is kind of part of it as well in terms of players that are defining this season because they're struggling because he's not been available. And if he'd been available, they'd probably be in a much safer position, with, mm. especially with Daesh. But to, because you haven't got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but you've got Sean Dyche because the rest of the team work direct football, work with direct style of football, and then you've got Malpai up there and it just doesn't work at all. If they go down, he, he is right up there with one of the worst signings ever. Certainly for yeah. Everton. They despise the guy. Oh, yeah. Despise. I, uh, I, I, I despise him too. One oh, goal yeah. in 20 oh, matches. Yeah, yeah. One goal in 20 of course, matches. Yeah. I, could see it in the, in the, I can see it in the narrative of Everton having very limited finances. I can see it in the narrative of even Frank Lampard. You know, Morpai is technically gifted at, you know, in terms of when he receives the ball. I think he can link, link play up to very limited But it was regard. such a different team that he was playing for. Yeah, he yeah. was an okay cog in, in that Brighton machine. Yeah. Still didn't score that many goals. Didn't didn't take the chances that he should have. Prior yeah. to that, he'd been at Brentford. Had done brilliantly in the championship. But, you know, with a lot of strikers, you don't always know how they're going to get on in, in that top league. But... F- just for style of play, just I feel a little bit sorry for him because I feel like he's he's a bit of a rat, isn't he? Like he loves to wind everyone up, but he but he does generally work hard and, and 
you know, is a is a decent pro. But at Everton, it's just an absolute disaster on at the end of a long, long list of disasters for them. But when they need goals and their whole idea is to be structurally structurally strong, having him up top means that you can't play that way. And so I just think it's been an absolute disaster. Yeah, I think when you go back to players, the players that you sign have to fit your club, the culture, everything about that. You need to set who you sign. And Malpe, look, man, if I have a lot to say on that guy as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> and, uh, he won Lionel Messi the World Cup. Uh, Don't forget that. Ripple effect. Yeah, indeed. Um, so yeah, I'll keep my mouth quiet on that part. But no, in general, Malpe, he's a decent player, but... For what Everton needed, come on, it's not another not the right option for him. But yeah, I think that that one could could sadly for Kai age very well. Another player down the bottom that you wanted to talk about, uh, Remedy, was a Southampton player. Yes, Romeo Lavia, coming straight from Man City. I think this guy is unbelievable. You only need to see Chelsea trying to buy him in the summer window after one game at Southampton. This guy. Uh, I think what helps me as well that I was at the game, the Southampton game, and I was watching him front row. Look, at, uh, this guy is unbelievably good. He he taught Partey a lesson that game, and yeah, Partey amazing. is a great player as well. So it's not so much his play style; it's the fact that he's so young and takes up so much responsibility. Those players are a dime a dozen. You don't find many of those types of players, and just his weight of pass, how he always finds himself in the right position to turn to press. I think you're not going to find many. I think for me, he's probably one of the best defensive mids in the world. I'm saying that right Oof. now. I, I think he's that good. early. I think gone he, early. I think he's that good. Honestly, I think I look at him and I'm <laughs> like, I, of his age, of his age, of his age. Of course, of course, of course. But I'm I'm going with this. Okay. This can be a clip. I don't know what it is, okay. but I think Romeo Lavia is so good. You can put him up there with like Caicedo as well at Brighton, mm. who's doing really well so far this season. I think. Yeah, I look at this guy, he's 19 years old. Kevin De Bruyne scouted him from the Kevin De Bruyne Cup in, in Belgium at the age of 15. He went straight to the EDS at Man City, went to Southampton. Look, Southampton not having the best season, but if you're looking at a player that is really a standout in that team, uh, Romeo Lavia, what player? Definitely. Yeah, solid little midfield actually there when you've got him and James Ward-Prowse in there. One thing I would say is it's, you know, we said this about Kukurea, we said this about Basuma, we said about, the, you know, when they move up and have to deal with that expectation, it's just a different... It's a different game, totally. And that, yeah, in terms of starting something off, the narrative on Todd Bowley, that was one of the first little cracks when they looked like they were trying to sign a player that had only just been signed by by someone else. But it's a bit crowded, I guess, for Man City. You've got a, have you got a bit of a buyback clause there with it? Yeah, I think we do. Yeah, 40 yeah. million. Yeah. Okay. It's a fixed price, I think, yeah. Keep an eye on him. Best in the world, apparently. <laughs> no, I didn't say the best. I said one of the best. Best striker in the world. Yeah. Top, top, top 100, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> right. Um... Okay, a couple of quick fire ones, uh, just as in terms of ripple effects to, to get you guys talking uh, wherever you may be or in your WhatsApp groups. Uh, Nick Pope, as a signing, his record against Liverpool might have delayed Newcastle's first trophy for years to come. Although, Bovey dismissed that in the last podcast. <laughs> Jed Spence, his signing showed that Conte was being ignored as a manager, obviously riled him up and perhaps played a part in his frustrations. He did make some comments as soon as he signed. Uh, Jess Spence obviously had to go out on loan and with Conte unhappy on the right-back situation, he put pressure on the board. They then spent £45 million on Pedro Porro. Smart business. And uh, Dan Juma as well as a signing. After being at Everton's training ground and completing a medical, he makes a last-minute switch to Tottenham. A potential ripple of this is that there is a bad, there is bad blood between Everton and Spurs after the way in which Everton handled the Delhi Alley deal to avoid paying a transfer fee for him. Danjuma goes on to score an 88th minute winner. Oh no, sorry, uh, equaliser against former club Bournemouth and proceeds to celebrate against them. 
but then Karma comes and hits him in the face. Uh, it was served seven minutes later with uh, Witara winning the match for Bournemouth. And then after that, of course, Tottenham changed their setup and we saw a 6 1 defeat. Um, Anthony, chuck in there as well, one of those players that's going to have to deal with the 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 price tag the amount of money they've said that he spent they spent too much on him but the shortlist we had for right-sided players was only three so we're okay with the amount that we spent but the fact that they spent so much meant that they had to go get about Veghorst instead of a proper striker has that cost them a league title has that cost them the Europa League maybe that's a bit far-fetched I don't know uh, but he's he's starting to look a little bit better Anthony Anthony Little bit better. I agree with that. Have you been watching YouTube highlights from, from <laughs> oh, two the years Sevilla ago? game? I thought he, he was the one bright spark. He, he was finally going down the line. I, I wonder if once the system's completely put in place, I wonder if he'll be a little bit better. But I have been frustrated with him, and he's going to have to deal with that price tag for sure. This round of money is, is important. You know, it is important to talk about the money. This isn't a fifty million pound gamble. This is a financial. This is a financial commitment from Man United, who can afford these kind of figures. That the, the United fans, the toxic ones on, on Twitter, will slag off City for astute business of signing 60 million at Erling Haaland, Alvarez for 15 to 20 million quid, etc. This kid is nowhere near good enough. And I made the I made the comparison of... It's a lot of money, in it? 100 it mil for this lot. guy. I mean, I said Mudrick to Galatasaray in 2025. This is Fenerbahce 2025. Flop winger Derby. Not a flop winger Derby. God, this guy's bang average. Someone remember this. Some of the flop winger derby because if that happens, mate, that's a great tweet for you. Yeah, that's I'll come back really, on really the pod good. and do that for you. Mate. <laughs> that's right. we'll we'll still that <laughs> uh, I think I think Anthony just quickly. I think yeah. he falls into the same boat as Enzo Fernandez for me. Good player, I think he's good, but signed a year or two too early. Is he ever world class? What's no. the ceiling? I've got a question as well. Go on. Do you answer this, Justin? Oh, what's, what's the ceiling? Is he ever world class? Top five in the world of his kind. To be fair, there aren't many right wingers like that are amazing. Right That's now. a top five right forwards. wingers. Not okay, not just right no, wingers. Forwards in, in general. Okay. In general, no. no. <laughs> right, he made it harder. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good point. There's, no. there's less out and out wingers like yeah. Anthony. There's inverted forwards, etc. You know, if you talk about Riyad Mahrez, PFA Player of the Year for Leicester City, he's a four-time Premier League champion with, with with City or three-time. Mate, he's nowhere near Riyad Mahrez, and Mahrez doesn't even start for City. So I'm glad. I'm glad United have got this guy. Well, well, and it cost him, you know, possibly cost him the Europa League by not having that central striker or, or being able to spend that little bit of money on that striker um, by doing that. Right. Oh, no, what was my question for you? Hang on. Oh, who who will have a better career at Man United by the end of all of this? Jaden Sancho or Anthony? No, Anthony. Anthony. Honestly, okay. honestly. Okay. Do we like... Jayden, is that uh, because they've spent so much on him they've got to kind of stick with it yeah, well, they spent a bit on Sancho yeah but the problem is like when I look at Jane and Sancho and Anthony play it's just two completely different things I think Anthony when at least you see the intent behind it you see what he's trying to do I think Jaden Sancho it, like it's just not been working for him so far and I think Anthony if you try to compare them I'm taking Anthony okay right we're going to give our top three and talk about a couple final big signings from the start of the season uh, after this Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. 
Nunez, Haaland. Where do you want to go first, Boovy? Well, we'll start with uh, the better of the two. I think it's good go the high road. <laughs> so, uh, no, Erling Haaland's come in and I've never seen anything like it. Take my City hat off. Um, I don't think we've seen a striker that could reach the levels that this guy could. There will always be a narrative around his... Uh, how he looks on the eye, his kind of aesthetics as a striker. He's not Ronaldo R9. He's not or Henri. Are his... we just scrabbling for stuff to talk about? When yeah, it comes I, th- to I that? think I think sometimes it I feels like it, doesn't it? A... I've had to do it myself. It's a simple sport, lads. It's a, it's a big goal, and we try and kick a ball into the goal. And Haaland <laughs> sure does, does, you know. Yeah. But it is, it's a simple <laughs> thing, you know. And and Haaland's going to get close to. You might get close to fifty-five goals in all competitions this season. He's got the ability to be one of the greatest strikers to ever play the sport, let alone be a Premier League striker. He could be one of the top five in the history of his striking position in the history of the sport. And that's not me being, you know, it could be at Real Madrid, it might not be at Man City. Um, so to get him for 60 million quid, even for three years, we're already going to extend his contract by looks things at the end of the season. Um, take away a release clause, that could give us Haaland for five, six, seven years. You know, Aguero stayed for a good seven, eight years. So um, I think you have to talk about Erling Haaland as being one of the most astute signings, you know, in the last 10 years, easy. Where City, everyone everyone always is saying about Man City, okay, fine, they're going to do well in the Premier League, but will they really win the Champions League? I think from day one of the season, I said Manchester City are winning the Champions League just because of his inclusion. I think when you look at him, every time you need him in the penalty box, he'll be there for you. And that's, and like we talk about football as a simple game, the league is quite compli- complicated. Knockout competitions, they're quite simple. Defend your box, score a goal, win the game. Man City are currently defending their box. That well. does apply to any yeah, game no, football, <laughs> no, but especially in the Champions League. Like you need like one-off games and one-off moments, and like City, they, their new system, like the four centre backs, they're defending their box well. Any chance they get, they're going to score a goal straight away. Highland is yeah, it's frightening. Yeah, I always try and play devil's advocate with this a little bit, and the one thing I do chuck at this is if he's a as much as he is like. He is outrageous. I get he's outrageous. And, you know, the size of him and everything else as well. But if he's at Tottenham, how many goals... He scored 32 in 28 Premier League matches. If he's at Tottenham, how many goals do you think he scores this year? Similar to what Kane's doing there. Yeah. If Kane's on 25, 26 in the league, then he's at the same level. You know, he, he did it at Dortmund. I mean, D- Dortmund are dominating the league every year. They're a Champions League club, of course, but and they're a massive institution, but they're not Bayern Munich, who've got access to every player that's true you know Haaland's Haaland scores 40 goals for Tottenham this season 40 in all comps he does he well, absolutely will he, does will he get the chances though yeah, see that's my point yeah. because I think what what is you've but seen Kane has how's Kane on 26 because 27? Kane is more so he creates from like Kane is more so trying to find run the channels more I think Haaland is leaving in the penalty box score a goal mm. that's it and like you might, you might rely on a De Bruyne through ball, or just like a cross into the box. Kane is more so link up, trying to find himself in the box, come like late runs into the box. So it'll be a bit different, I think. Because yeah. I, I go, and this isn't for now, but I, I feel like Kane's a better footballer than Haaland. But it, the the question I'm not sure what the answer is is who would have been a better signing? Because Kane might have got in the way of De Bruyne a little bit or some of the other players that won it or Grealish or whoever or he might have tweaked the way that he played and stayed at that back post because it did feel like there was a bit of a cheat code there 
when you've got someone as good as De Bruyne with his vision, they mm. can play that cross into the back stick and, and Haaland's there and goes and wins it. The only, He's such a bully. I was going to say, the only difference with that is Kane is not a striker that runs in behind. So will City have actually gotten rid of Jesus and Sterling? We, we don't know. Right. Uh, and like Kane That's relies true. on those runners in behind. Like, And if you think of, uh, for example, a strike force of Grealish, Kane and Mahrez, yes, it's a great front line. But if you needed a team that like to go on the transition, they're not really going to give you that. Haaland is a game breaker yeah. in that system. That's true. And, yeah. and as, a, as a part of a team, I think you're probably right. I think, yeah, because of that, just that different kind of style. Although I, I, I generally feel like Kane is a better footballer as well as an unbelievable striker. Well, he's dropping deep at Spurs because there's nothing else to do. He's bored. I mean, seriously, <laughs> like he's bored. Be, he's, like dropping, involved, he's dropping deep. Know. Let's see if I can spray a ball to Kulazaski. It's irrelevant. <laughs> it's irrelevant. I'm, I'm glad as a City fan, we never touched the guy. He's one of the biggest perennial bottlers he would have, to ever come nah, out of the country. He would have been a huge success at Man City. Do you think? But he would, have had to ch- he would have had to play differently. He would have had to play differently. I think Kane's success is maybe, yeah, Premier League... A League Cup here and there, an FA Cup, of course. Haaland's got the ability. He's so naturally gifted as a striker. We could lean on him. We could win two Champions Leagues in three years. He's that good. I don't think King's that good. Uh, what I like about him is that he has no desire to get involved. And I actually, people see that as a weakness. I, I don't see a problem with mm. it at all. Because exactly what you're saying, stretching the game a little bit. Like it, he is just, yeah, he's outrageous. And if you think about the money that you spent for him, and we're talking about Enzo Fernandez and like over a hundred million. What a bargain! To be fair, what some people some people say there might be some like payments under the table with Haaland, like sixty million allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Some, people, some I don't know, just some. I don't know either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so why is it? <laughs> I don't get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, well, look, it does feel incredibly cheap. Mm. I'll give you that. Remedy, I'll give you that. <laughs> right, final name. Got to talk about him, Darwin Nunez. Oh, final thing on Haaland, by the way, Ed Woodward. Uh, pulled the plug on Haaland's move to Man United back in 2019. Did you know this? Yeah. yeah so yeah. it was before he went to Borussia Dortmund, but he had been sort of starting to do, do good stuff. Um, I think he was at, where was he? He'd left Mould. He was gone at, uh, Salzburg. Salzburg, that's it. And he said that the they didn't like the agent's fees and it was 20 million. You could have got Haaland for 20 million. What would that have done? How like, Well, would that have meant that Kane actually got his... Got the move in the end, but he made it work. Although they weren't letting them go in, no, in any way, were they? Definitely. Who's there instead then? If you'd not got Haaland this summer, who would have who would have gone? For? Julian Alvarez, and he's still <laughs> striker, so not too bad. Uh, Lewandowski wouldn't have. Would he have come? No. Not sure he would have. Uh, Back to Pep, might have. Maybe that's a good shout. Yeah, we'll Pep. never know. Darwin Nunes maybe as an option. Who is our final possible def- what, defining signing of the season? Nine goals, three assists, eleven big chances created. 19 big chances missed. Poor Darwin Nunes. I feel like... I can't figure him out. I've, I feel like I get done by the spin of Liverpool fans a little bit with him. Where they understandably got to do what they got to do, which is find the best in him. I think he's good. But I think it's, you know, we're talking about Gabriel Jesus right at the start of the podcast. He's just no... He's not near... He's nowhere near the Canes and the Harlands of this world. And if you're spending 90 million, like we're talking about with Anthony, mm. got to, it's got to be around that mark in terms of your effectiveness. But, but does it though? I think he's more of a Mane type for me in terms of, I know they're playing on that left hand side for sure. That is players, de- no, no, you're right. On that left hand, yes. A Rashford type of figure. And yeah, I think I Nunes has got the ability, he's got the physical ability. 
I think he could be world class. I do. I think I, I do. agree. I, I don't think he's a nuanced striker. I don't think he's David Trezeguet. I'm not this kind. You know what I mean? I don't think he's a little poacher in the box, a little cute finisher. But he's a, he's a, he's physical. He's aggressive. He's tall. He's tall enough for the Premier League. I think that matters. That's why I don't think Anthony's ever going to cut it. I think you have to have a bit of height. Like Gareth Bell is a lot taller than people think. Yeah, but what about Bernardo Silva? Yeah, he's, but he's a midfielder as well, okay. and he's a bit more. He's very, very smart. He uses his brain. Yeah, um, you know, Nunes doesn't have a most brain. intelligent player in the league. <laughs> um, he's not, yeah, definitely. Um, but but Nunes could be this kind of ruthless, rugged kind of left wing like Mane was. Mane was okay. a very technically gifted footballer, but I think I think he could mould into something like that. Let's work through the questions here, then, when it comes to him as a signing. First of all, has he been a flop this season, or has he failed this season as a signing? It's weird because like the price tag dictates that he should be a flop because he's not like he's not taking Liverpool to another level. He's coming to the team Liverpool have dropped. That's like the casual understanding of it. But I don't know with him. I think the general perception of him, he's a project. Like you look at Darwin. I call him Captain Chaos because he comes onto the pitch. It's chaos. You found that on Twitter. You didn't. You didn't. No, that's I, not original. Everyone of you. That's hey. I, I came up. I came up with it. But Let's as, go on Twitter and as, scroll right, through the chronological as, but, tweets. So, <laughs> but, but, but as James said, there are no un, uh, there are no original ideas. So yeah, right. Yeah. So there are this, word this chaos. end of the table. You two, you two are copying everything else. <laughs> no, this word chaos. Copying the uh, podcast earlier in the week, we have a word of the week. This week it was chaos. So the definition, because everyone's using the word chaos with Nunez and go and saying that's a positive thing, a state of utter confusion or disorder. Yeah. I think a the great... total lack of organisation or order, confused, disorderly mass. If you can do that to your position, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think you. I think you almost like the I... Liverpool side that dismantled City in the Champions League quarterfinals. I had no idea. I mean, you, our heads had gone in five minutes at Anfield. We had Otamendi swinging at things. Carl Walker missing the clearance. It was like all out war. It was anarchy. And then you get you get Oxley Chamberlain popping up with the goal. Mane, Salah, all these different aspects to Liverpool that can damage you. That is peak Klopp. What I would say, if the, if the midfield becomes better, you become more dominant, you're higher up the pitch more often, you've got chance of chance of chance, which he has missed 19 big chances this season. I, th- I understand the idea of refinement. And look, I don't think you should be sort of, you know, I've said about Mudrick, like Mudrick, he's probably not that bad. So it's, it takes time, you know, success isn't linear, all that shit. <laughs> but but I, I feel like this season, I don't think, I think you'll find numbers to throw at me to suggest that it's been a success for what he came in for, what you were hoping for. I, and cause that was my, the second question, I think that's an interesting one. Will he get to Mane levels? I think that's a good place to try and get to. Cause I, I get what you mean. That the power is there, especially on that left-hand side. Mane did miss chances here and there as well. Was sometimes disappointed from that point of view. Can he get to that Mane level? Maybe, but I don't think it's been a success as of yet. But has it been a flop? No, it's a big word. Yeah, I think it's been a. F- I think it's been disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Should we, should we level on that? Yeah, yeah let's go disappointing. With that. Okay, yeah, go disappointing. Uh, but obviously, brought in Hackpo as well. I think him playing on that left hand side much, 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 much better. I just don't see it through the middle at all. I don't think he's. Mm. You know, again, you're you're then going to try and turn him into Haaland, and he's not that. Cl- he's not clinical enough for me. I see when I see him finish, he's hitting it hard at the goal. That's that's not enough. Like at at the top level, you got Michael Owen used to say this is like when get annoyed at commentators saying, "Oh, he's just missed. He's got to hit the target." Well, no, you got to put it in the corner. That's why I don't score any goals at five aside, baby. Because <laughs> and I, I do. hit the ball hard. And that's why you do, baby. That's why, yeah, exactly. And that's why you are the Harland and I'm Nunes in this. <laughs> right. Let's finish up with your top three then. 
from this in terms of defining. So it doesn't mean they're good. It doesn't mean they're bad. It's just the ones that we'll remember when we think about this season. Someone says 22-23 to you. Who are the three names when it comes to signings that you will think of? By the way, we didn't talk about Casemiro. I think he's oh, probably chuck in there as yeah, well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. He's been great. No, I can go with, I think Mudrick is, is defining because it, it will define uh, the lowest point in the history of transfer activity in football ever. Wow. That's great for the intro, booth. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's number one. Who, who are your other two? Uh, obviously, Haaland. Haaland. Of course, Haaland. So we all go me. Haaland, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, I said, I'm going to go with Jesus just because of everything that's come with it. Um, I wouldn't say like he's been the catalyst in the way that Haaland has, mm. but... I don't know, maybe it's like the mentality shift when Jesus is coming. Yeah. Definitely, I'd, I'd yeah. agree with that, yeah. <sighs> I feel like Nunez has been such a talking point throughout the season. Mm. I think we will look at it. But again, I think it will one be, that will be decided. That could age badly if the refinement occurs and he has a good season next mm. year, which I wouldn't be surprised if he did that mm. at all. So Haaland, definitely. Mudrik, I think, definitely. I'm gonna, I would chuck in Darwin. Yeah, I'll yeah. Down, that's but... fair. That's fair. Let's go with that then. Okay. Well, that was wonderful, guys. Thank you so Appreciate much. Um, where can people find you, Remedy? Uh, Twitter, mainly TikTok. I post often. I'm not sure when I'll post next. But and how do they spell your name? R I M E D I. Remedy. There you go. And Poofy, where can we find you? B U V E Y on Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, and of course, the club on YouTube as well. Of course, of course. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Go check out all the other podcasts. Follow us, give us a five star rating. And when I say us, I mean me. Do it for me. See you next time.